Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. There's never really a good time to have out-of-control wildfires burn hundreds of thousands of acres. But that being said, today's Parts Per Billion is about why this year's California wildfire season couldn't have come at a worse time. Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. As I talk right now, it's the morning of Wednesday, August 26th in California. It's afternoon in D.C. where I am. And there are currently two wildfires burning in that state that are both vying for the title of largest wildfire in California history. That wouldn't be a good situation in any year, but especially not when we're also grappling with a global pandemic, a pandemic of a disease that, of course, primarily targets the respiratory system. But wildfire smoke isn't the only thing Californians need to worry about. There's also blackouts. After it was discovered that a deadly 2018 blaze was caused by faulty electrical wire, power companies in the state have been aggressively shutting off power when weather conditions create an extreme risk of wildfire. The blackouts are supposed to be isolated to small areas and last for a short while, but that hasn't always been the case. Emily C. Dooley, a Bloomberg environmental reporter in California, has not only been reporting on this issue, but is living it herself with ash and smoke visible from her home in Sacramento. Emily spoke to us on Tuesday about the current situation in California and about what power companies are doing about it. There's there's about 500 fires in California burning right now. Maybe 20 are major. Um, the two biggest ones, um, they were believed to both be caused by uh, lightning. There's about 11,000 lightning strikes we had here recently, which is rare for this time of year. So um, there's the one called the LNU Lightning Complex, and that's um, north of San Francisco, so in the Bay Area, and it's about 350,000 um, acres right now. And then just south of there, there's another lightning one, the SCU, and that's kind of east of San Jose, and it's 363,000. The LNU is like 27% contained, so that means they have a lot of work to make a perimeter so that it can't burn elsewhere. Uh, and so that's a lot of the focus, but um, there are other fires burning uh, elsewhere in the state, but Northern California is really getting hit with it right now. And it sounds like uh, at least one of them, or maybe both, are near where you are in, Sa in Sacramento. Um, there was one that's about 40 miles away from us, um, but we're getting just a lot of uh, smoke and ash, so it's it's like being in a snow globe with a bonfire that won't that no one will put out. Like you can't you can't get a break. So um, you know we're locked inside right now because of the coronavirus, and we can't even we're locked inside because of the air. So it's um, it's a little challenging. I mean that's awful. Um, so but let, let's talk about the environmental uh, impacts here because you know you just mentioned that the air quality is pretty bad, uh, and you described it in very uh, vivid terms there. But, um, you know, based on your reporting uh, from previous years, I get the sense that air quality is just one of many issues that wildfires can cause. Can you talk about some of the other environmental issues that 
can be triggered by a wildfire? Yeah, you know, a lot of chemicals can get released into the air or into the soils and water because when things combust, like from your house, there's a lot of chemicals in them. You know, there was a group that did, they just lit like a normal household printer on fire and they test, they like sampled the results and there was like hundreds of chemicals just coming from the printer. So if you think of, you know, like paint and cars and houses, there's a lot of stuff that gets kind of released into the air and into the soil. And after the campfire in 2018, that's the fire that killed 85 people and was the most destructive in California, not the largest. Um, they started finding like benzene and some things in some in some piping. And there have been other places where they found other chemicals. And also um, when areas burn, the root structures of trees and shrubs, they get loosened and they get just destroyed a little bit. So later in the year when we'll have rains, there's going to be um, debris flows. So you can get a rainstorm and it's just stuff kind of sweeping down an area that has already been burned. So it's like the second hit afterward. So there's a lot of things that happen after a fire um, that are also destructive. I'm glad you talked about the uh, campfire because... uh... You know, that fire, unlike the ones that are burning right now or the big ones that are burning right now, that fire was caused by faulty electric uh, transmission lines. And it sounds like um, that is uh, one of the things that uh, California electric utilities are really trying to prevent from happening again. Primarily, for many years, it was human cause. That was the reason fires were burning in California. You know, like a campfire or cigarette or a spark from a truck was causing things. And then lightning. And more recently, some of the very destructive ones have been linked to like transmission lines or electric company facilities. So in Southern California, back to like the 2012 or so, San Diego Gas and Electric, they were starting to shut off power to places so that their equipment wouldn't spark wildfires. So in other words, like plan, plan blackouts. Yeah. Um, and after the campfire, you know, PG&E was blamed for that. They went into bankruptcy because they had like 30, they had a lot of money and liability that they were going to owe. They've come out of bankruptcy, but the big three utilities started um, using these power shutoffs much more frequently than they had in the past. And last year was like a good fire year for California. There was maybe 260,000 acres that burned. But the fire weather was so bad, at times there were like 2 million people in the state that didn't have power. And sometimes it was lasting for more than just 24 hours. And in some cases, it was in areas that were trying to be evacuated for because of fire. So there was no traffic lights, you know. And so a lot of people, you know, that means homes didn't have power, businesses, schools, restaurants. And so um, the state said, you know, the utilities need to do a better job of making it more refined, smaller areas and quicker time. And so now the utilities are trying to sectionalize off areas so they can cut, to, cut power to smaller areas. And they're doing, they have a lot more weather forecasting and they're doing, they're paying, they're doing a lot more sort of vegetation management to clear out things that could be issues. So they've been, they've been working on that, but you know, there's a lot of acreage to cover in California and California is a very rural place. Um, so there's a lot of work still to be done. We're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we'll talk about how COVID complicates all of this and about whether there may be a long-term solution that doesn't require rolling blackouts for months at a time. Stay with us.
Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Uh, This year is a little bit different than last year in a lot of ways, but one important way is that we're going through a global pandemic. Um, Tell me about how that kind of changes the calculus for the power companies. I mean, they were already under a lot of criticism for the way they handled the blackouts last year, but it seems like this year the stakes are even higher. Yeah, so 2020 is like the gift that keeps on giving that, that you don't want, you know? So yeah, this year there's an added complexity, right? There's a lot of state scrutiny. There's, it's, we're a drier year. There, we didn't get as much rain. And so there's concern that there's going to be wildfires. We've got Santa Ana winds coming probably in the south. There's going to be some storms. You know, climate change is making things more frequent. The hotter is hotter. The drier is drier. You know, the the weather more intense. So um, the utilities have really been under the gun from the state to, if they're going to shut off power as a last resort, that they're going to take care of the people who who are going to be left in the dark, literally. So they've required some, you know, if people need power for kidney dialysis or for their medicine, they need to have some kind of backup power. And the utilities need to have these sort of resource centers where people can go to to charge up. So when you think about that, you know, when you think of your typical fire shelter or your power outage shelter, that's like, Everyone's in a gym or some closed in space. There's like buffet food. People are super close together and you can't do that in the coronavirus. No. So some of the utilities are doing like drive through stations where people can just kind of pick up bags of food and, you know, some cell phone charging, you know, equipment there. Um, the, the utilities are even, you know, there's a lot of COVID-19 pop-up testing sites, right? And they're coming and going, they're opening and closing depending on need. And so they need to make sure that all those don't lose power so they don't, so that um, people can get tested. And they also, there's, uh, you know, companies that are working on vaccines and, you know, develop or just sort of making the test kits. So they all need to make sure they have power. So there's a lot more on them in a very challenging time. But how is that going to work? I mean, do if you're someone who needs to have power because of COVID or because of COVID-related things, do you just call your power company and say, hey, I know you're doing these rolling blackouts, but I need power for this reason. Don't shut off my power. And then the, the, you know, you, <laughs> the power company puts a little, puts your name on a list and says, okay, don't shut this person. Like, that, it can't be that that you know rudimentary right no it and they couldn't be that selective right especially when it's a massive event so they have people who can register in advance they get a discount on their um, power rates but it also lets the utility know that they have a medical need and so in many cases 
Um, the utilities themselves are distributing, you know, like solar powered um, generators or batteries to people, or they're going through like community groups who really knows like who needs the help. And in other cases, you know, they're helping relocate people to hotels and other places where there's going to be power. So it's um, it's like another step that they have to they have to think about. And now they have to think about not not having people in giant spaces. Right. And also, I mean, you're uh, in your most recent story, I think you reported that in terms of the, the number of bat- solar power generators or batteries that they have versus the need is like t- totally out of whack. Like, what was it? There were, you know, 3000 batteries and the need was like 13,000 or something like that. I'm probably getting that wrong. Yeah. So PG&E said during some testimony in front of the State Utility Commission that they um, they had 3000 batteries. They had a list of about 13,000 or medical baseline people who needed power, but they they said that, you know, as soon as they could get more, they would. They were just having supply chain issues, you know, like everything. You know, when people couldn't get laptops, they couldn't get everything because people started working from home. This was just another thing. And But they do think there are ways that some people may not need just batteries for their medical condition. That they, So it may not be like the whole family of 13,000 that need it. So they're they're working on it. But it's a deficit and it's, a, it's an issue that, that they're trying to figure out. All right. Well, finally, sort of let's take a big step back and think about the future, which is, you know, at a time like this, kind of hard to think about. But um, moving forward, 2021, 22, 23, we're going to have wildfires again. Uh, we're going to have wildfire season in California. Rolling blackouts to me just simply, it doesn't really feel sustainable. Like it doesn't seem like you can c- continue to do this every year where you just have a few months out of the year where people in California may lose their power for a day or two at a time. Are there talks, are, are people talking about ideas for ways to make this not sort of an ad hoc thing where we're just responding to these wildfires as they come, or, but more of a comprehensive holistic solution? There's been a lot of talk and a lot, you know, the utility commission has has said to the um, electric companies, you, you all need to invest in microgrids. You need to, you need to have kind of more resources so that they're mobile and can be moved around and so people aren't kind of left left in the dark but with the power sh- shutoffs you know the weather is the weather right and if ideally the utilities would be doing a lot of vegetation um maintenance like pulling away trees and leaves but you know it's a huge state with a lot of trees and you know there's a lot going on so it's it's like a huge huge undertaking and so they're just trying to hammer away at it year by year, right? And like make a little bit more progress. I think one of the issues is, you know, so 2019 had a lot of blackouts. The utilities said, all right, we're going to go focus on these areas to make sure they don't have blackouts again. But fires can hit in different places, right? So, you know, you, you have to, it's, it's hard to know where to start, I guess, right? Because there's so much to do. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself and Josh Block. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. Music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Summer Love by Drew Allsbrook, Benjamin Antelles, and Brad Lindsay. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening, everyone. The killers of Berta Caceres had every reason to believe they'd get away with murder. Her work as an environmental activist won her the admiration of celebrities in California, politicians in Washington, and the indigenous communities she worked alongside in Honduras. 
It also earned her powerful enemies. On a new podcast from Bloomberg Green, Blood River follows a four-year quest to find Burdica Saris's killers. Join journalist Monty Real and the team from Bloomberg Green as they untangle false leads and mishandled evidence, taking listeners deep into a sector of international development that's marked by high-level corruption and rampant violence. Blood River debuts Monday, July 27th on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.